21-17 USC defeats Colorado. Adam Munster Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com. He was staff writer Patrick Godosi. Patrick, this was a game where certainly the end result is disappointing. This is a Colorado program that's beyond the moral victory, you know, situation. Yet there were times, many times in this game, you looked up and saw them only down a score or at times only down 14 nothing in the first half. And as a Colorado fan, you had to feel fortunate that they were still in the game. But yet they were in it at the end. This is a disappointing day. Yeah. Um, honestly, at times it felt like they were down far more than two scores. Uh, USC kind of dominated the game. Uh, but the Colorado defense forced enough turnovers to keep their offense in the game when the offense was sputtering consistently which is, is pretty impressive, and, and we saw what this team has done. They, they keep fighting. Um, uh, we're obviously, like you said, past the point of moral victories, but they clawed their way back to tie the game late, and they had a chance to win. Um, so that's kind of all you can ask for on the road at USC, considering how the offense played in the first half, which was as ineffective as, I mean, obviously we've seen this season. I picked USC to win by three points. I think you had a similar score prediction, right? Yeah, I had a t I had a touchdown, but it, I had a lot higher score prediction. Okay. I did not anticipate the offensive struggles today. Okay, exactly. That was going to be my point. It's not the end result that surprises me. It's getting shut out in the first half, and uh, that w ended up being what would cost them this football game. They they create four turnovers, but you got to put some points on the board early on. Yeah, uh, they had plenty of opportunities, um, and especially when your defense gets you turnovers like that. You have to capitalize. They only managed to score seven points off of those turnovers, I think. Uh, so it's, it's, it's disappointing. Um, it was kind of a herky-jerky start. They couldn't get anything going on the ground, so USC brought the house and consistently got pressure on Steven, and he had trouble dealing with it. Um, and it really, at times, you know, he looked like the freshman quarterback out there. Like, I mean, and this was really the first defense they went up against that had real, like, athletes. Like, they have guys on that defense. And, and you saw it was tough for the offensive line in the first half. They, they did improve, enabling the Buffs to score some in the second half. But, yeah, that first half was a struggle uh, in all factors for the offense. No question the, the battle of the, the freshman quarterbacks, the, the winner there was Sam Darnold. 358 yards passing, three touchdowns. There were a couple brief moments where he looked like a freshman. The the fumble there where Addison Gillum got him. But that is a good quarterback, and he's going to be really good in this league for whether it's three or four years. Yeah, especially that play he made at the end of the first half when he fumbled the ball, picked it up, and was able to scramble around. And uh, I can't remember who got the ball, but found his receiver and scored. That was kind of a, a Buffs-type play from, from last season and seasons past. But that almost that's more on the athleticism of USC almost because – it's hard to do. I mean, it's he made a play on after a busted play happened. So you have to, I mean, give him a lot of credit and give that offense a lot of credit because they looked pretty good for most of this game. They just were the buffs bent but didn't break. Um, but in the end, it was the USC's offense was able to do just that much more. You talk about the the fine line in a lot of these games between winning and losing. Akella Witherspoon with the interception at Autzen Stadium is the difference there today. He goes up, jump ball with Darius Rogers, and Rogers comes down with it. And then also on that, that late uh, third down catch that sealed the game for USC was against Akello as well. He's, he's always there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it, it, tough sometimes. He's not maybe as physical as, as you'd want in some of those situations. Yeah, absolutely. Rogers had himself a great game. He made some really big plays. Juju made some big plays. So those are, those are like all country receivers that you're going up against. But... It is like the margin, it shows you how small the margin is. Like, 
Akello was in position, but at a certain, you mean you just have to make the play. You either do or you don't. And uh, USC had the better playmakers in that area, as well as some a lot of other areas on the field. Honestly, I threw it out to Twitter as we like to do on these post game recaps uh, to to the fans for for both questions and comments to kind of get the general pulse of the fan base and react from there. Our first one comes from at Wildish18, and this is a short question here, Cepho question mark. There was a point there in the second half where I was saying, you know, this is time to go with Cepho Lufau. It's a situation where I feel a fourth-year starting quarterback is going to be able to maybe move the team better than than Steve Montez. Steve Montez shut me up a little bit with that, that touchdown drive. But what I heard from D.B. Barron, who is out at Memorial Coliseum today, actually covering the game for BuffStampede.com, he said, I was told although Cepho looks good, he's still not 100%, and they really want him healthy. Obviously, he had to go in with Montez down. If Cepho goes in there and tweaks that ankle again, and then he's out for an extended period of time, everyone's going to hammer this coaching staff for doing that, right? Yeah, definitely. And if Steven Montez, and, and I think I think it's kind of a moot point because I think Steven Montez with, with a couple scoring drives there at the end did find it was more of the early issues that w- was a problem there. I think you're fine with that. Uh, but going forward, you know you, you want Sefa Lufa behind center if he's 100%. And that was a debate going into this game. I don't think that's a debate anymore. No, I think the way this game unfolded um, kind of gave some clarity to that issue. I was a little perplexed coming out of halftime that Montez was back in the game, but it, from what we've heard, it makes sense. They wanted to keep Cepho as healthy as possible, and honestly, the way that pass rush was coming at the quarterback, I don't think Cepho would have fared very well back there, and he would have taken some hits. And he could he have—I mean, could he even have been as effective as Montez, considering he's not at 100% mobile? Against a pass rush like that, like I can't blame the coaching staff for thinking along those lines. And like you said, Montez acquitted himself in the second half and, and got the buffs back in the game. I mean, I know the but, – but what about Bryce Bobo? I mean, should he have started at quarterback in the second <laughs> yeah. half? I don't know. And who knew he was a lefty? Like I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great throw off his back foot. Like yeah. we, we were really impressed by that. But um, to wrap up the thing about Cepho, um, I think it was smart because you need – there's a lot of season left, and there's a lot of winnable games left. And this one was always going to be, at best, a toss-up. So I don't have a problem with the decisions made today um, in terms of, of putting Cepho on the bench in the second half. It's tough. I mean, you look at that first half. I was getting a lot of tweets about the play calling. And no question, I think, if Brian Lindgren and Darren Cheverini could have a redo, they would change things in that first half. But also the offensive line really struggled. And I got a question here from Jared Benefield on Twitter. He uh, asked, what adjustment was made in the fourth quarter so the offense could move the ball, and why wasn't it made earlier? Why I just said what I just said is because I think the offensive line started to play better, and that was the, quote, adjustment that was made. Yeah, they were able to start running the ball more effectively with with Phil Lindsay, and, um, you know, they had to go to a trick play to open up that defense. Like, that was what kind of started everything in the second half. Um, But once they were able to run the ball because the O-line was actually generating a push, then they started to get some open looks downfield, and Montez was able to make some throws because he had that like split second, second longer that he was asking for all game up until that point. Um, so it really does boil down to offensive line play. Um, it was a shame to see Alex Kelly get hurt, um, but he seems I I don't he only missed one yeah, play. So, he went yeah, back. So he seems to be yeah. okay. So that was concerning, but they did they upped their play. Um, but in the end, it was it was too little, too late. 
we were at the Blake Street Tavern, kind of a rare opportunity for me. Usually I've got to be in the press box with uh, with D.B. Barron out there in, in Los Angeles covering the game. Uh, I had my laptop out, and uh, it was fun. It was We were hanging out there with uh, Buff Nick from All Buffs and the, the BSN crew. Ryan Konigsberg has now been able to put his fan hat back on now that he's covering the Broncos. And uh, we'll stop by to say hi. And so it was fun atmosphere. It was funny, though. I'm sitting there of course I'm having to work throughout the game and I had this really belligerent drunk guy come up to me why are you blogging man like you should be having fun and I was like trying to explain to him what I'm doing and uh, eventually I had to tell him to get out of my face so it was it was a different experience watching the game today uh, but it was fun at L underscore Rod our buddy Luis was there and then he just takes off before the game and I said this is a bad omen if this happens so uh, sorry Luis but I gotta call you out on that buddy He's he had, putting it on you. <laughs> he had this to say on Twitter, Montez time will come, but still made some freshman mistakes. Great effort by D, but O couldn't capitalize on turnovers. That's a pretty good re- recap of this football game. Say that's In 140 accurate. characters. Yeah, that's that about sums it up, honestly. I knew, I mean, we knew USC's defense was, was pretty good. They're better than they showed early, but I mean, I did not expect the offense to be this flat, honestly. Another question here, at Austin underscore CJ, is this a game the Buffs should have won given the four USC turnovers? And that's a tough question, I think, to answer because the four turnovers is the only reason they were in the game. Yeah, if you if they capitalize off those turnovers, then yeah, they absolutely should have won, but USC was able to keep them from doing so. So in that sense, no, they didn't deserve to win because they only got a touchdown off of those four turnovers. I guess I will say, I think with Justin Davis going down, and he was the key to, I think, the Trojans in the first half, moving the ball as effectively as they they did. He had 83 yards on just 13 carries before he got carted off the field. I think if you're going to make an argument that they should have capitalized, it would be because as soon as Davis went out, this defense was stopping USC on a pretty consistent basis. They weren't able to move the ball the way they were in the first half. Yeah, that's when they were able to get some pressure on on Sam also, so... Um, and you saw that that produced some freshman moments from him, but it um, again kind of just came too little, too late. Like I mean, I, they hung in there, I guess, in the first half, and they were the reason this team was in in the game. So you can't really fault the defense too much. Uh, there's a couple plays here and there that they could have made that maybe would have given the Buffs this win. But um, all things considered, they did as much as they possibly could have against a team that really has guys. Like the USC sh- should probably be better than they are. I mean, everyone says this every year, I guess, of late, but. They have some talented dudes, and you saw it with Adderie Jackson, and you saw it with their receivers. They're, I think if you kind of use the last two weeks as, as proof, I think this is a USC team that going forward is going to be really tough to beat. I, I don't know. They, they kind of put themselves behind the eight ball in terms of um, their overall record to be kind of in the national picture and stuff. But this, that's without question a top 25 team. You know, mm-hmm. and there's no excuse if they don't finish the season top 25, they need to be looking for a new head coach. Yeah, absolutely, and they'll be they'll win some games and be in the in the South race now. They they've firmly got themselves back in the conversation today. At Buffalo Nine asked, "What the heck happened to the offensive line, and why could we not make them pay for blitzing?" Um, yeah, they did for the most part a decent job like of picking up blitzes in the second half, but before that, I think they were just kind of overwhelmed by the by the athleticism of the USC front seven, in my opinion. Um, that's kind of what it boils down to. You know, this O-line has improved a lot, but they still, you know, aren't, you know, the, the type of O-line that can consistently weather pressure like USC is able to bring when they're when they're dialing it up. 
it's not uh, you stand up and give a standing ovation to anything that happened in, in a game like this. Again, we're past the moral victory card. But it is encouraging that they improved in their pass protection as the game went along. There were times in the past where if th something was struggling early in the game, it didn't really get better. Uh, I, use the, I always go back to the Hawaii game last year with those stunts that they could not adjust to those. So Clayton Adams in his first year as the offensive line coach, and, and who knows who else had their hand in kind of fixing that protection issue as the game went along. But that was, I don't know if encouraging signs are right words to use there, but at least you saw some improvement as the game went along. I actually think that's a really good point because in game, especially games last year, you saw them kind of wear down towards the end, and that hasn't been happening. They did not wear down, um, which was that is encouraging in that in that aspect. Yeah. At M Stevenson eleven had this to say: big improvement from the the halftime stats. Offense didn't do enough. Yeah, that's. I mean, at the end of the day, in the locker room, you hope they don't do the blame game. That's never obviously a good recipe. But uh, from the outside, the blame game definitely goes in the offense in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Mark also followed up saying um, the offense seemed to get impatient and tried to force passes downfield. Why not take what the defense gives? Um, I think they started to do that in the second half, but they were really trying to get those deep shots going to just like push the deep, just get the defense off of their, you know, their, yeah. their, they couldn't get the defense on the back foot, basically. Only a few times were they able to run their tempo and stay on schedule the way they like to. And uh, it was just tough because USC was playing well. Like they, they were covering well and they were getting a lot of pressure um, aside from a couple drives in the second half. They, on, they obviously outplayed the buffs for the majority of the game. So I think it, the offense was just trying anything to get going. And then you saw the trick play, which was perfectly timed and perfectly executed, which kind of gave this offense some, some confidence and some momentum, which yeah. would, it really, I mean, I go back and forth about the momentum exists, which it, I think it, you know, it did provide them a boost. We got another question about Cepho. We already answered that. At Dawnator, he asked, Cepho starts next week, question mark? I think so. Yeah, he was healthy enough that he could be the backup this week, but the staff didn't really want to have him play this week. But that, that signals to me that he's close enough. And uh, Arizona State's defense is probably a good first game back to work, work off some of that rust for Cepho. Yeah, they blitz a lot, and they're going to try to bring pressure, but they, uh, they uh, as of now, are, are not at all like what USC has on defense. And it should be a good game to get the offense back um, to their usual tempo and get them back on the, the front foot. Matthew Armetta asked, Is the Moral Victory Squad pleased to be 6-0-0 against the spread? <laughs> no, I mean, we've already talked about the moral victory thing twice now. Only if you've been betting the buffs. Are you happy about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, if you have money on it, certainly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, there's no moral victories. I mean, there is, you can be really proud of how this team fights, and you can be happy about that. But at the end of the day, like, this was a chance to really pull ahead in the Pac-12 South and bury the Trojans, which would have been, like, unthinkable you know, at a, it, as early as, you know, August. So it's, it's really tough. And the spoils for a win for this program would have been really nice. Like, might have been really special, but wasn't meant to be. So the buffs are still right in the thick of things, but uh, it's, you know, it's, it's going to sting for this team. They obviously, they believe they can win every single game, and they've shown that they are right to believe that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about stinging. It stings the most from you win this game, and... Even though it's super, super early in the season, you're 3-0 and in conference, and you really are in the driver's seat in that division. Mm -hmm. Colorado has not ever been in that position. So that's, that's where I think it hurts a little bit. But they, you know, they've got a, a very nice home slate remaining, and um, Stanford's the toughest game left on the schedule. But if anything, today showed you know, they can go in and compete with the Cardinal in the same way. So 
there's everything still ahead of them, at least. At Rocks Bombers asked, does CU get back in the top 25 this year? I think so. I do think so. Um, I don't know when. A lot depends on that Stanford game. Well, a lot depends on what other teams do, too. I mean, I, I think you, they're going to drop out of the top 25. Mm-hmm. But you blow out Arizona State next week, I think you're right back kind of in the discussion at that point. I mean, at that point, you're, what, 5-2? and two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I mean, you look across college football this year, there's only a couple really dominant teams, and there's a lot of teams that are in that next tier. And, frankly, as disappointing as Colorado's offensive effort was today, I think they could prove to be in that next tier. Time will tell. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fluctuation from, you know, the 15 to 25 range. So they absolutely can get back in the top 25, and, and I don't, a lot could happen. There's so much that can happen, and it's, it really is still wide open. A uh, question from Andrew Hobner, who uh, a former CU student, is now uh, a newsman up there in Wyoming, great guy. He had a question. Knowing that they had an effective quarterback on the bench, how does this game affect Montez's confidence? I think Montez knows the deal, um, yeah. and he understands. Uh, he, uh, I think I saw one of his post-game comments to Brian Howell that he knows, he knows his play today showed how far he has to go and how far the team has to go. So he's aware of, of what the situation is, and, and he loves Cepho more than anyone from what I've been able to tell from talking to him. He, you know, Cepho has played a big role in Montez's success. So um, he understands how it works, and, and I think the team knows that Cepho deserves another shot at his job back, especially, you know, Montez didn't. If Montez had blown the doors off today, maybe we're having a really different conversation. But the way things unfolded, um, I think Montez will still feel confident. He's from talking to him. I think he's the kind of guy that it's tough to shake his confidence. Yeah. What's that cliche? You get you get knocked down ten times, you get up eleven times. Yeah. Steven Montez, you saw it. He gets knocked down at Michigan. He comes back, has a great start at the Oregon game. He gets knocked down with those two picks. He comes back, lead, helps lead them to a victory mm-hmm. today. He gets knocked down. He comes back, and he's a very resilient quarterback. I, I think that is maybe one of his best qualities. We, everyone loves Cepho for his toughness. I think Montez, his kind of his moxie is something that you gotta love. And a couple of those plays where he's he's it almost seems like he's running with a chicken with his head cut off, and then he makes a play. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's got some of those intangible qualities that you can coach that uh, you, you really need to, to be a top level quarterback down the road. But again, this is just a tough position when you have. A freshman quarterback out there, the mistakes are going to happen. There's no way around it. Yeah, if at times he does look shooken up, which it, it's purely due to inexperience, in my opinion. Um, I don't think it's at all a fault of his, his attitude or his confidence level. Got another question from Rocks Bombers. He asked, how concerned are you guys with offensive line struggles today going forward? You talk about USC having a lot of dudes. That's going to be one, you know, Michigan had some dudes. There's not a whole lot of teams in the Pac-12 that, that have that type of talent up front. Yeah, that's one of the best um, front sevens they're going to see, probably. And they'll learn, but um, it's, it's tough to say. I don't, I'm not too worried about the offensive line going forward just of, because of the competition level they have left remaining. Um, this was one of the best you know, on-the-road offensive lines or defensive lines they're going to see. So, Do we have a question about the field goal? I, I, Should we talk about that? We need to talk about that. I'm surprised. It's funny, when the game ended, uh, and I... And, we knew we were going to throw it out to Twitter for questions. I told Patrick, like, since fans can't see what other questions were asked, we're going to get bombarded with questions about Colorado deciding to go to for a field goal. 4.49 left in the fourth quarter, I believe. Yep. You're down seven points. Where were they on the 
30-something? 20-something? Hold on, I'm looking Adam's up. looking up the stats, but... It's a 42-yard field 42 goal, yard. so take off 17, or, you know, uh, 10 yards on there. You're the 32. Yeah, so, and there's just under five minutes. This is really tough. And I, I turned and said, you know, this is probably fourth down, or four down territory, and I don't know... A lot, judging this, would, would you have to know what Linger and, and Mac were thinking, but a lot would come down to, were they trying to get enough yards on third down to make it a manageable fourth down? Because that play got busted. It was, I don't know if it was, I don't know what their plan was on that third down, but the play didn't work. Montez only got a couple yards, or not even, he got stuffed. And then, at that point, you're facing a fourth and, you know, long against a defense that's pretty tough, and... <sighs> For, I lean towards going for it in that situation because you don't know when you're going to... You, are you going to get back in that situation again? Like, you don't know. And I guess he... Max reasoning was that, you know, trust the defense. They've been making stops and turnovers. Maybe roll the dice one more time, see if they can get it done and kick to the field goal. Um, for me, it's it's, it's... it's it's a shame that third down play didn't produce anything. I guess yeah. that's what it comes down yeah. to. Because I guess if it's fourth and long, you kind of... You're really rolling the dice on going for it. But the time and place makes me want to go for it. I'm of two minds here. I would have probably gone for it, but I'm not a head football coach of a major Division One program. So, uh, Yeah, you, I think it, think it came down to Justin Davis not being out there, and once he got sidelined, your defense was uh, very opportunistic and was mm-hmm. doing a much better job of stopping them. That said, I would have gone for it as well. I just don't think you, you can't think you're going to get back in that situation again easily because the offense is... You're really putting a lot on your defense to try and get you the ball back in a good in good field position, like a lot. And um, and, and props to Davis Price for making the field goal, but there's no yeah. guarantee that thing's going in. Uh, yeah, that was a good kick. Yeah, that also was nerve wracking, but it's it's tough. Like I would have, the offense was kind of rolling. I would have taken my chances with the offense at that point in the game, all things considered. But it you know it didn't work out for him, so it's easy to say that. I'm not willing to say this is the reason Colorado lost the game, but there were definitely many, many times during this game you were going, what are these officials doing? There were some bad spots in the first half. Like, brutal. Missed, missed holding calls? Mm-hmm. There, was a lot of, there was a lot of calls for holding in the, in the Blake Street Tavern, for sure. Well, what, what about the, the, they don't call the personal foul when they clearly ran into, ran into Alex Kinney, and it wasn't a, a brushing up against him. It was a full-on collision. And it was before he was able to, t- to touch the ground again. Right? Yeah. He was still in the air, so that was questionable. Also, the officiating crew didn't really have a good handle on the game. Like, they, they reviewed like the Shea catch on, along the sideline. was kind of bad. That took forever to review. Overall, they, just, they, weren't, they weren't top-notch today, but, I mean, it didn't affect the outcome. Aaron Hagler was uh, injured late in the first quarter, uh, right tackle guy that's played really well if you consider that he's a 270-pound redshirt freshman. Hopefully he's not out for too long. You do have some, Sam Cronsage who was rotating with him anyways, so uh, you certainly don't want to see any guy down, but they should be okay there. Steven Montez was in a lot of pain when he got knocked out. Uh, we, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, you know, previously that the toughness just runs in the water in, the, in that you know in terms of Colorado quarterbacks it's it's pretty impressive it is um I was saying before the game I was like they I, we'd heard that they were gonna let Steven go and let him run and I was a little nervous about the amount of hits he was gonna take and he does take some shots and it, they are tough but like at a certain point it's like you can't this is not a sustainable way to manage quarterbacks in my opinion yeah. but it's like it's a problem because so much of the offense depends upon the threat of the quarterback running and it's like such a it's a struggle because even if you slide most of the time, you're still gonna get like popped. And I get I know the hit that hurt Montez was a was a sack essentially or uh, in the backfield. But um, it is like these are tough quarterbacks. But every time one gets hit, the Colorado fans are you know they're grimacing and like it's that's nerve wracking to see if they'll get up or not. 
So you, you talked about USC having some dudes and some dudes that can make some plays. The Sam Darnold play where he fumbles it, picks it up, starts retreating. Mm-hmm. It felt like he ran about 30 yards back, and he launches it, finds a tight end for a touchdown. You had the Adoree Jackson Ooh. interception where That's top 10. we saw it initially, and we're like, there, it's not humanly possible for him to get that foot down, but he did, of course, on the replay. It was an incredible play. He's a freak. He had a couple really good returns before they figured out to not kick to him, which was which helped them out a lot in the field position battle. And He's a freak. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Olobode had a, had a rough first half, which we hadn't seen from him all season. He had been as consistent as anybody on defense, but he comes back with that interception, kind of redeems himself. He even had a couple tackles there in the second half that were mm-hmm. pretty impressive. So um, he ended up kind of bouncing back there in the second half. The linebackers played Addison, made a play. They played fairly well. Rick had a few good sticks. But one criticism you could make of the defense was there, there were a lot of missed tackles out there. Um, so, you know, while they were holding USC in check as much as they could, they were missing some effective tackles. KB on Ento sighting, a really big third down catch. He's a guy that was kind of like criticized in terms of why Colorado was taking him as a commit and the brief moments we've seen of him out there. Dude, dude makes plays. He's a big target and he's tough. He'll go over the middle. Like he's taking hits on a couple of the slants he's caught. And I think it kind of speaks to the depth of this receiving core, right? Like KB on could be a contributor if, you know, there were more passes to go around. Also got to talk about Bryce Bobo. Not only the the left-handed strike to Philip Lindsay there on the trick play, but he has 10 receptions in this football game, one touchdown catch. I think for whatever reason, Darren Chavarini just deciding that this kid needs a different style of coaching and I'm going to give it to him has somehow been the difference between him being a kid that would just kind of go through the motions to now he's really, really consistent. Yeah, he showed all these flashes even like as far back as 2013, right? That the, the, the potential was always there. Yes, and it's impressive to see him maximize it and reach that and realize it. And his, his body control is incredible. Um, his hands are obviously immaculate. Like He makes you know these insane catches. Um, he's been the revelation of the season aside from Montez, in my opinion. As far as like individual play goes. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up this game. Looking ahead to Arizona State briefly. This is a program that Colorado has obviously struggled against. So they certainly can't have any cockiness going into this game. But looking at how well they've played in Colorado this year. And looking at Arizona State being a down team. I'm going to be shocked if they lose that football game. Yeah, me too. Um, they'll come in confident. This team... They're at a good place in their development where they're they don't they're not un, they're not underprepared and they're not overconfident, right? Like they're at a very good this coaching staff has them at a really good place mentally where they're not gonna I mean, they know how important every single game and every single play is. Like they there's obviously no overlooking anything. So while they will be looking forward to playing this ASU defense because I mean it's like it's like, you know, Dustin Johnson teeing it up on a long par five after after a really tough par four, it's like, all right, I can go get after this one. Um, so I, Cepho and, and his and his offense will certainly be licking their chops, looking looking at tape this week. I'd expect Cepho Lufau is going to be pretty darn healthy by the time next week comes, given that he was getting close to being ready to play. Uh, you know, a lot of football for this team. I would imagine that Cepho Lufau is going to be at 100 percent, unless there was something that happened in the game that we didn't see today. He's good. I would again. I expect him to be the starting quarterback in this football game. How much of a leash do you give him before there's some of those question marks about the quarterback situation again, if he was to struggle? 
I think it would have to be pretty bad. Like, the ASC Blitzes would have to be getting home. And, and honestly, if, if it is, I don't think they would blame it on Cepho. I think it would be an offensive line problem. So if he if he's making, I don't know, it would have to be a lot of bad play. I think Cepho's earned, you know, enough of a leash. He would have to be, like, missing guys, and, like, he would have to be hurt, honestly. Like, he'd have to be out of it to, to be yanked, unless it gets really bad. But I just don't see him, you know, missing that many guys, you know, when they're going to be running around in that ASC backfield. I think it sets up, you know, obviously every Pac-12 opponent is going to have some some talent on it. But in terms of ASU's defense, this might be what the doctor ordered in terms of a first game to have, you know, a full comeback in to get that rust worked off. Definitely. The offense is going to have to play better, and they know it. And they'll, and they, you know, the stats would say that they will rebound. Um, the defense will have a, a, a bit of a challenge, you know. Um, Balaj is, is really good. I think we got a question about how to stop him. He's, you know, one, the one that got away for the buffs as far as running backs go. So they're going to have to key on him. And ASU always has, you know, some explosive, explosiveness to their offense, even though they may be a bit down this year. It's, you know, a Todd Graham team. You never know what you're going to get out of those guys. So the buffs have to be prepared for everything. But I would expect a much more cohesive and effective offensive performance next weekend in Folsom Field. We're recording this right after CU's game. So don't know quite know what Arizona State's going to do tonight. Right. But if you had to guess uh, the 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 spread for this upcoming game, where, where are you going? Uh, before the ASU UCLA game tonight, I'd say the Buffs would be favored by like, a touchdown at home. Okay. Is that low? I don't know. If they if ASU loses UCLA, I could see it being a double digit spread. Uh, if they beat UCLA, I think it stays around like six or seven. If it's maybe a I'm touchdown or less, and I don't you make a habit of giving gambling advice. I would take Colorado on that. I'm going to say it's going to be about a, a nine and a half, ten point spread. Yeah, Again, that, pending that, what ASU does. That probably is fair. Um, it's hard to yeah, it's hard to see it getting much higher than that. I guess after you know the Buffs losing and the way the our offense looked. Well, Patrick, it was fun watching the game with you today. It was a good environment there at Blake Street Tavern. If Always. you've never been there for a game, you really can't. Uh, Obviously, you can't recreate game day atmosphere anywhere, but the Blake Street Tavern does as close as you can possibly do. Ralphie's out there, the band's playing, uh, and every big play, everybody's really getting into it. It's a great place to to watch a Colorado game. Certainly, Colorado is at home at Folsom Field, so you should make your way up there uh, next week. But uh, future road games, definitely uh, uh, go to the Blake Street Tavern. It's the best. It's the only place you can see a bar buffalo. So I would recommend it. It's a, it's a unique experience. All right. And uh, thanks to all of you for submitting questions and comments on Twitter. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in.